We're going to be in the book of Revelation tonight. We're going to be in the last chapter of the last book. People say, I've read the last chapter. Well, this is it. At the end of the service, uh, after the service is concluded, the youth, teenagers, the teen choir is going to practice over in the uh, choir room right after services tonight, practicing for the uh, uh, conference coming up in a couple of weeks. They'll also have practice on Saturday morning. It's coming Saturday at 9 a.m. And please make those a priority. We'd appreciate it. We're praying much for this conference, trusting the Lord's going to use it. And um, something we've talked about having for a while, but just decided it was time to quit talking about it and just do it. So, looking forward to it. Revelation chapter 22, and we're going to begin reading in verse 16. If you're able to stand, and I know all of you aren't, but if you are, please stand with us for the reading of the passage tonight we'll be looking at, beginning in verse 16, Revelation 22. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. By the way, Jesus is the one that says that, right? Surely I come quickly. And he said, Amen. It's all right to say Amen. Jesus says it. If you want to be like Jesus, say Amen every once in a while. Surely I come quickly. Amen. And John responds, even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And John said what? Nice. Amen. You know, I think there's a a significance to last words, final words. And these are the final words of not only the Bible, but the book of the Revelation. And uh, we're going to look at these together tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And tonight we just want to be encouraged by the word of God. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts. We pray that we would receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our soul. We pray tonight that if there are those here in our midst that are not saved, that the Spirit of God would say to them, come. As we say, come, 
We pray that we would be those of us who are saved, encouraged and challenged by your truth. God, thank you that you do all things well. Thank you, Lord, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We thank you for your sovereignty, your providence. We thank you for your mercy and your grace and love. We thank you that there are no surprises, God, with you. We thank you for the perfect record of the Word of God that we can read and that we can study and learn and share with others. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we begin reading there in verse 16 where Jesus, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. That these, these things that are being recorded here in the Revelation were to be testified in the churches. Not just at that time, but churches going forward. And why? So that Christians, so that church members, so people like us, might hear them, that we might take, take them seriously, that we might obey them. So from John's life, John the beloved, John who received the revelation from John's life until now, the churches have been repeating, reading, studying, declaring, and seeking to obey what God says in his word. And so tonight I want to look at, at several things. We looked at two things this morning for those of you who are in the other building and children's services or not able to be with us. But I want to look at three other things we find in this last chapter really three final words. And the first one we find in verse 17, which is repeated a number of times, and I'm going to call that God's invitation. It says in verse 17, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. So first of all, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, capital S Spirit, the Spirit says, come. You know, it's interesting to me that um, after all that has been said in the book of the Revelation, after all the information that John has relayed to us, transferred to us, things that he saw and things that he heard, how would he, how would he wrap this up? How would he conclude it? Just before this, we had, you know, how the great white throne judgment and how sinners were judged at the great white throne. And before that, we had, you know, Satan and cast into the lake of fire and the false prophet and the beast. So what is he going to say now? And he, what he says is, the Spirit of God is saying to people, come. And that's an invitation, really. That's the work of the Spirit of God, to draw men to Christ. The word come is a verb. It, it requires action. It demands action. It speaks of action. And a person has to come to Jesus. Nobody ever got saved that wasn't willing to come to Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in the Gospels, you would not come to me that you might have life. And so the Spirit is calling people to come. And what is he going to be doing from the time that John received this revelation, maybe 96 A.D., near the end of the first century A.D.? What has been happening since then? The Bible doesn't record what's been happening since then, except in the first two books where he talks about the seven churches of, the, of uh, Asia. So what is, what's been going on since then? The Spirit has been saying, come. God wants people to come. God wants people to be saved. He calls people to come to repentance. He calls people to come to faith. He calls people to leave where they are 
and come to Jesus. You can't come anywhere unless you leave someplace. You can't get saved unless you're willing to turn from your sin and come to Christ. And so we need the Spirit to call people, right? That's what He does. That's what we want to happen when we give the gospel to people. That's what we want to happen when we give a tract to someone. That's what we want to happen when we meet in churches. We want in the service, we want the Spirit to say, to work on people, to draw people, to convict people, to come. By the way, the Holy Spirit never leads anyone to go away from Jesus. He never leads anyone to withdraw from Jesus. He never leads anyone to pull away from the Word of God. He always calls people to come closer. I've never sat in a service and felt like the Spirit of God through the preaching of the Word of God was calling me to back away from Jesus. That hadn't happened to me. He always calls people to come. He invites people to come. By the way, we ought to pray for that, that God would work in people's hearts to bring them to Christ. So the Spirit, it says in verse 17, and the bride say come. We know who the Spirit is. We also know who the bride is. Who is the bride? The bride is the church. The bride is the body of Christ. The bride is the spiritual building, the church. Not a build, physical building, but the spiritual building. This, this church assembly right here makes up the espoused bride of Jesus Christ. You want to know, where, where, where am I in the Bible? Right there. Verse 17, that's us. And what does the bride say? Come. The Holy Spirit says, come. And the bride says, come. We ought to be inviting people. That's our role as a church, to, to invite people. Not to church, although we do invite them to church, but to invite them to come to Christ. The church, is, that's a part of our job description. That's a part of our assignment, is to invite people to come. And, I, and by the way, we invite people to come to church, but it's not because the church can do anything for them, but the message of the church can do something for them. The gospel can change their life. You've heard me say this many times. It was an invitation from a client, a, a customer of my wife's. My wife's was a, my wife was a beautician. I don't, they don't call them beautician. What do they call them? Hairdresser, whatever, barber. <laughs> she wasn't a barber. I've only had one barber since I was about 14 years old. True story. That's her right there. You want to know why my hair looks so nice? <laughs> and one of her clients, very unassuming, normal, average, not boisterous, not demanding, one of her clients said to her, why don't you try to get your husband to come to church? If you could just get him to church, God could fix your situation. You know what she was saying? Come. Come. The, the Spirit says come and the bride says come. Nobody ever got saved unless they come to the Lord. And, and by the way, you can't, nobody can, it, nobody can come to the Lord without hearing the gospel. You know what draws people? It's the Spirit of God, but it's the Word of God. The gospel brings people to Christ. You know, flashy preaching or, or, or persuasive invitations or putting people, none of the, that can't help a person really. You know, it takes the Word of God, the Word of God working in a person's heart. And the bride, that's the job of the bride, the church. 
saying to people, come. How can they hear without a preacher? They can't hear without somebody telling them. That's the, that ought to be the message of this church. Come. Whoever you are, wherever you are, come. We want you to come. We say it. We say it. We say it to our family and friends. We said it in the nursing homes today. We said it in Sunday school classes. We say it from behind this pulpit. We have a message. It's come. We want you to come. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you look like, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, we want you to come. That's the message. That's the final message after everything John said about the horrific things that are going to happen in the future, the great outpouring of God's wrath. He said, he said this is what I want you to say to the churches. Tell, tell them, every church from then until now, tell them to come. In the Philippines, they say, come. We have the same message. Come. We say it through the ministries of our church. We say it in outreach. We say it in evangelism. We say it, we, we see it throughout the scriptures. Jesus was asked in Luke chapter 14 a question about the kingdom of God. And this is what he said. A certain man made a great supper and bade many. Bade means invited. He made a supper and he invited many. And he sent his servants out to ask them to come, come. And they all, the Bible says this, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. I just bought a piece of ground. I can't come. Just bought y'all's house. Sorry. I can't come. All, all these excuses. They came back and said, they all make you the excuses. Then he said, I want you to go out into the highways and the hedges, into the streets and lanes of the city and invite others. Bring the poor. Bring the crippled. Bring the blind. The spirit says, come. The bride says, come. By the way, if we're not saying come, we're missing out on part of our job. God's invitation Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And then it says this, let him that heareth say, come. Whoever hears the gospel say, come. Whoever hears the gospel. Now you're sitting here tonight and in the midst of all that we're hearing, we hear the truth of the gospel. We've heard the gospel in song. We've heard about the cross that Jesus died, how he died for us. We've heard, let him that heareth say, come. You're qualified, you're called, you're assigned. Every one of us who've heard it, let him that heareth, don't just sit and think about it. Sit and think about it, but then say, come. You know people, right, that need to hear. Family members, we all do. Neighbors, friends. He that heareth say, come. You know, it's a natural thing. It's really a natural thing. For a person who's heard of God's love and experienced God's grace and know what it is to be forgiven and saved, it's a natural thing to want to invite other people to come. Right? Like you, I've been to various classes and soul winning classes and seminars and on-the-job training. But... The first time I saw the best friend I had after I got saved, we were, I, we were working on cabinets, either painting or staining cabinets. I think we were staining cabinets. That's what I was when I got saved, a painter. And on that day, I had to tell him what had happened to me. If you've heard, you ought to say, come. We get over that, don't we, sometimes? We get... 
quiet or shy or whatever. But I'm telling you, this is our assignment. Till he, com till he comes, we're to say to people, come. We, we, if you've heard, you can ask somebody to come. Whoever's heard, say, come. And when I look at this, to me, there could be no more fitting conclusion to the whole Bible, first of all, but to this particular book, this amazing book, is to say, just keep it. You know what? These things are going to be horrific. To see people, John saw people cast into the lake of fire. He didn't just dream about it. He saw it in a vision. He saw these things happen. And what are we going to do in response to that? He said, tell people you don't have to go there. Invite them to come. The bride says, come. The church says, come. Let it hear it say, come. God wants us to come to Him. God wants us to come to Him. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, God wants you to come to Him. And God wants others to come to Him. And then it says in verse 17, let him that is a thirst come. What is a thirst? A thirst is a desire. It's a craving. It's a it's a it's 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 being un, unsatisfied. It's a lack of satisfaction. You just you have this desire. Sometimes, and we had one. I had one of these days Monday. Sometimes Monday's really the only day that I take off all day to to do things around. I take off all day to work all day, and it's one of those days, hot day, working outside all day. And throughout the course of when I come in the house, I may drink. It seems like I'm drinking several gallons of water, because so, you're just thirsty. You can't quench that thirst. You know what's a good thing happen in a person's life when they come to the place in their life that they realize they need something they don't have. They're thirsty for it. You know what? You know why some people never come to the Lord or they postpone coming to the Lord? Because they don't really feel the need for it. They don't have a thirst. Now, they, may, they may have a craving for other things. They may have a craving for entertainment and craving for laugh and craving for fun, craving for attention. But, they have, but I'll tell you what, what's a great thing is when a person gets thirsty. And they know there's something missing in their life. They know, there's, they know there's something about life that's not meeting their needs. And by the way, I think God creates that thirst in people. And I believe he used the circumstances. That's what he did for us. He used circumstances and problems and difficulties in our life and, and broken relationships and all these kind of things, all these things just kind of mounting up and, and compounding upon each other until finally we realize, hey, there's something wrong. There's something missing in our life. And you know what? It's God that does that. It's not a bad thing to be spiritually thirsty. It's a good thing. Jesus promised, though, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know why people sometimes come to church kind of empty and leave kind of empty? Because they're not hungry and thirsty. You come hungry and thirsty, you'll be filled. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. Let him that is a thirst come. If, you're, if, if, there, if you know that there's something missing in your life, Jesus said come. Just come. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. Then he said this in verse 17, whosoever will. <laughs> the spirit and the bride say come. Let him that heareth say come. Let him that thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That means every soul is invited. No one is excluded from the promise of salvation. None. 
Jesus died for every man. And what can they do? Let him, let whosoever will, whoever wants to, whoever's willing, let him take the water of life freely. It's a matter of choice. You have to choose to drink. You have to choose. We can drink in the truth. We can drink in God's promises of grace. We can drink freely. Look at that. Let him take of the water of life freely. We can drink freely. It's offered freely. It can't be earned. It can't deserve. You can't pay for it. But you can take it. You can take it. That's what it says. Let him take. That means you make a choice. You have to choose. Sometimes you and I get invitations in the mail. Wedding invitation. Some other kind of invitation. The invitation if you'll come, if you'll come to this banquet, if you'll come to this. You know, we get these invitations. You have to choose. You have to accept the invitation. Right? You have to choose. And sometimes we decide not to go. Most of the time we decide not to go. But I want to tell you, God gives everybody invitation. He gives you one tonight. I'm, it's not, God's given you an invitation. Whoever you are tonight, just think about this. God is giving you an invitation. The God who made everything out of nothing. The God who spoke the world into existence. The God who sent His only Son to an old rugged cross to die for our sins, to shed His blood, to be beaten until He could not recognize Him. And He died not for His sin. He died for my sin and your sin and the sins of the whole world. And He gives you an invitation. I want you to come. I want you to come to me. I want you to come to my heaven. I want you to come to my Son. But you have to accept the invitation. We give out the invitations to others. They have to accept the invitation. So the, one of the things, one of these things I want to emphasize tonight in this last chapter is, the, is God's invitation. It's a wonderful invitation, isn't it? A second thing I want to mention is not only God's invitation, but God's words. And by the way, I won't spend near as much time on this one. Look in verse 18. For I testify unto everyone that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy of this, of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. God gives us a clear invitation then he gives us a strong statement about his words. God's words are sacred. Now, this particular passage, these two verses, are talking about the 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. But the principle of not taking away or adding to anything that God says is found more than that in the Bible. And it's a strong message. It speaks of the inspiration of Scripture. These are God's words. These are not man's words. They're God's words. It speaks of the preservation of Scripture that we're not to add to them or take away from them. I think it's just the height, really, of arrogancy 
to think that any scholar or anybody would have the right to tamper with the Word of God. These are God's words. I think it's very interesting that the final word, the last thing he had to say is, I'm inviting everybody to come. No one's excluded. And then he says, don't you dare add to or take away anything that I say. That's powerful. To me, it's powerful. I mentioned to you, um, and I'm going to turn to it, but I'm going to read it to you. That's mentioned in other places. Let me, let me read you one of them. This is in Deuteronomy. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it. Don't you add anything to what I say, and don't you take anything away from what I say. That you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. I, mean, I think that's pretty clear, don't you? I mean, don't add, any, don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. And I don't think that is specifically necessarily talking about translations of the Bible, but it certainly pertains to that because you're messing with the Word of God. You're tampering with the Word of God. I'll read you another place found in the book of Proverbs. Every, think about this, every Word of God is pure. Every Word of God. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. By the way, that's what Satan did in the garden. He added to the word of God. Did God really say this? He begins to tamper with the word of God. You're very careful about that. These are God's words. I think it's only because, and I'm going to say this about the translation issue and then move on. It's, it's only because I believe we're in such a time of apostasy, people pulling away from God, people being consumed with greed, and people who claim to want the Bible being so gullible that you could have really a Bible of the month club almost. Hundreds and hundreds of different versions of the Bible. And God said, don't add one word to it or take one word from it. That's pretty serious, isn't it? It's very serious. And people say, and I'm not saying these people are evil. I think they're being, I think in their own mind, they're being reasonable. They say, well, I just, I think it'd be okay just to get a, get one without the these and the thous. Or I think it'd be okay to get one that's easier to read. All those arguments should be taken off the table. That's all selfishness. That's all thinking more of ourselves than the word of God. The question is not how easy it is to read. The question is, how true is it to the, to the original autographs, the manuscripts? That's the, that's the question. We want the purest word of God there is. Right? So, God gives this closing chapter a statement that's so simple and so clear. These are God's words. You don't have a right to take away from... By the way, you don't have a, I don't have the right to look at a Bible and say, well, I don't like that part. I'm just going to ignore it. No, you don't have the right to do that. It's all God's Word. If God said it, that settles it. We, ought to take, we, we just need to get back to the Bible. To paraphrase it, to disregard it, to, you know, to say that it's not for me, that's not, that's not the right response. You know what our response should be? We come, as, we come as learners to a sacred book. We come as learners, humble, before the Word of God. God, show me what this says. I want to see it. 
Reveal it to me. Show it to me. Help me understand it that I might do it. Don't ever go through the Bible trying to find loopholes or trying to find some way to get out or some excuse not to do what God says. Come to the Bible saying, God, show me what the truth is. And I want, if nobody else likes it, I want to embrace it. I want the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. So we have God's invitation. We have God's word. And the last thing that I want to point out tonight and speak a bit about is God's grace. The last verse of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Aren't you glad God's grace is with us? It would be very possible. I think it would be predictable for a person who reads the book of Revelation to become very anxious about what the future holds. Wouldn't you think so? I think it would be. I mean, even for people that get saved during the time of tribulation, it's going to be a difficult time. Heads are going to roll, literally. But you know what God's saying? God's grace will be with you. The grace of God, whatever the need is, whatever the time in history, including 2021, we're promised sufficient grace. It deserves to be mentioned sometimes that we, we tend to think, people tend to think of grace mainly in, as it relates to salvation, right? For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God. It's the grace of God that brings us to salvation. We think about this, that how God's, God's grace as, a, as it relates to salvation. But listen, and I'm not minimizing that. That's true. But everything we have from God is by His grace. And by His grace, He gives us everything we need. My grace is sufficient for thee. That's what, that's what Paul said, to the, or what the Lord said to the Apostle Paul when he had this thorn in the flesh that was plaguing him. Please take this away from me. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient. Whatever we're going through, whatever stage of life we're going through, we are saved by his grace, but we're strengthened by his grace. We're, we're helped by his grace. We're encouraged by his grace. We're gifted by his grace. We're edified and built up by his grace. We're comforted by his grace. We don't earn any of it. We don't deserve any of it. I didn't deserve to get saved. I still don't deserve to be saved. And I don't deserve anything that comes from God, but it's all of his grace. Aren't you glad about that? We get wisdom by his grace. We need his wisdom. He give it by, by his grace. We give the ability to, to forgive our offenders by his grace. Those who've wronged us to, to bless those that curse us. How do you do that? We do it by his grace. He gives us the grace to do it. So none of us can boast and say, man, look what a Christian I am. Because none of us can do it. It's only by his grace. And it's promised us. It's gifted us. That it's his, his grace. His grace is sufficient. You know, These were not John's words. These were God's words. God gave them to John. That's what inspiration is, or God breathed. God 
gave him these words. And I'm just, it's not the first time I've thought about it, but it's, I've really been encouraged as I've thought about it in recent days. This last chapter is just such an encouraging chapter because going through the book of Revelation, it's not just a difficult time for as far as to figure out what it's all about and what it's saying because some of it I just don't understand, right? It's just, it's above my pay grade. <laughs> just can't figure it out. But what I do understand can be troubling to me. So he ends it up by just saying, this is, this is what I want you this is what I want you to remember. And I want you to tell these things to the churches. This morning we looked at two of those things. Always be looking for me to come. Always be anticipating. And the other thing is just always be obeying. Whatever the book says, just do it. And always be inviting. Always be asking people to come. And don't ever, don't ever even let it enter into your mind. Don't even think about changing this book. Because that would be a bad thing to do. And always remember this. My grace is sufficient. It is sufficient. Amen. I don't know. Who this might apply to. But there could be people sitting here tonight. That have never really come to Jesus. You may have prayed a prayer sometime. You may have made a decision, but, I'm, but, but you've never really purposefully come to receive Jesus as your Savior and put your faith and trust in Christ. You've probably been invited by many. And I'm telling you, God's inviting you again tonight. Come. Come. Be the greatest decision of your life to come to Christ the greatest decision of your life to say I want Jesus in my life maybe you're at the point in your life where you're for the, maybe for the first time or maybe it's been on you for a while there's something missing in my life there's something that friends and fun and activities just can't satisfy I'm so glad I got to the place in my life that I need, knew I needed something. Jesus said this to the woman at the well, you drink of the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. Isn't that good? I'm gonna, nobody can satisfy that thirst like Jesus. But you've got to come to him. You ought to come to him tonight. This, this body of believers, this church, we say come. We want you to come, right? The Spirit says come. That's that inner voice tugging at you, said come. You ought to come to him tonight. We're here to help with that. Just to point you in the right direction. You may be here tonight and you know you're saved, but maybe... Please hear me. Maybe you hadn't been saying to others, come. Come. We want you to come. It's not a lot, you don't, it's not a lot you have to say, just say come. Can you, you know, should we memorize that together? But we ought to be saying come.
to our neighbors, to our friends, to our co-workers. Come. Come to Christ. We want to give you a gospel track. We want to give you an invite to church. I was thinking about this message, and I think about how I haven't heard this in a long, long time, but, I, but I've heard, remember hearing in the past people would say things, not just about this church, but about this church, but other churches, you know. I, there's so many things wrong with our church, I just don't even want to invite anybody to come. We're not asking people to come because we're worthy. We're asking people to come but they, because they need the Lord. Come. Maybe, maybe, tonight, maybe tonight. Just think about it. Maybe. You realize I hadn't been asking people like I ought to. Can I be a good night? Say, Lord, I want to tell, I want to invite people. I want to say, come. Maybe tonight you've thought about. Because people do have these kind of thoughts. Maybe you've thought about, well, maybe, maybe that old archaic Bible, maybe. Maybe we ought to trade that in for a more modern version. Don't go messing with the Word of God. It's serious stuff. You can, you can mess around with stuff I say, but don't mess around with stuff God says. It's serious. Maybe not you've been thinking, I just, I just can't make it. I can't do this. I can't do everything I know this seems like God wants me to do. I can't do what other people are doing. I just... I, want you, I just want to repeat, not what I say, but what God says. It's all by grace. That's right. You can. With God's help, you can. Right? Let's bow our heads together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to pray in just a moment. I emphasize this a lot this morning. The first part of the book of Revelation begins with these words the, about how ble blessed, how, what a blessing it is for those who read and hear and keep these words. We've heard things tonight from the Bible, but God wants us to do more than just hear it. He wants us to keep it. He wants us to obey it. Would you obey the Lord tonight in your heart? 